this is Micah. Um, and Dawn has been both Micah and I's mentor for over the last two years. Uh, and so we have just developed uh, a very significant, uh, deep relationship, um, even between Micah and I, and then between Dawn and I, and between Dawn and Micah, uh, to the point uh, where I would consider Dawn to be a spiritual father to me. Uh, and Micah, yeah, would, would second that. And, uh, so we, we wanted to share about not only the, the value of intergenerational friendships in general, but then specifically about a ministry that we are hoping to develop uh, as we move forward, and that is intergenerational team teaching. Uh, so doing teaching uh, teachings together, where either Don and Micah would stand up at a chapel or something like that and teach, or Don and I would stand up and teach together. Um, so that's specifically what we're sharing about here. Called the intergenerational ministry. Yeah, intergenerational team teaching. Yeah. When Moody chose to leave Spokane, oh, Great okay. Northern. Oh, okay. This is his first year. Now I had written down Seth and Michael. What's the book? Those names for. Oh, so this is Yeah, I'm that's sorry. Just, yeah, that is it. Okay, and then who is Michael? I'm Micah. Micah. Oh, Micah. Micah. Yes. Okay. Micah. Micah set Blake and one of the minor prophets, right? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we we we've known Blake for four years when he was a freshman at at, at Moody, and he's graduating now from Great Northern, and praise the Lord, we didn't lose him. He was. Scheduled to go to Chicago with, with 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 Moody. Fortunately, Great Northern got started, and the Lord answered our prayers to put him into that university. And hopefully, he'll be around for a while, um, even after graduation. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a a great joy to share in. Uh, intergenerational testimony with these two guys especially. Uh, they have become so very, very close to me. Uh, they are indeed spiritual sons. I, I have other spiritual sons, but I refer to these two guys as my twins. Uh, not because they look alike or because they have the same personalities, but because they're godly character is so very, very similar, and their impact on my heart is so very, very similar. <laughs> um, I, I would gladly die for either of these guys and consider my death well spent. <laughs> the Apostle Paul is my primary model for how I relate to the guys that I mentor. Um, and especially his relationship with his spiritual sons, Timothy and Titus. But before I mention that, notice what Paul says to the entire congregation of believers in Corinth. I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. 2 Corinthians 2.15. And then notice what he says to the entire congregation in Thessalonica. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. What was that? First Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Those feelings and commitments 
could only have been magnified in relation to his spiritual sons, each of whom he addresses as a true son in the faith. 1 Timothy 1.2 and Titus 1.4. And Paul commends them to others in very similar ways too. To the Philippian church he writes, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. Philippians 2, 19-22. Philippians 2, 19-22. Yes. And to the Corinthian church he writes, But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. 2 Corinthians 8, 16-17. I doubt that Paul was any more proud of Timothy and Titus than I am of what Blake and Micah have allowed the Lord to do in their lives. After spending most of my life working with young people, first as a juvenile probation officer right after college, then as a youth minister, then as a school bus driver, I have been spending my retirement years primarily in mentoring young men of college age. And I'm now 74. Investing the winter of my life in them as they enter the summer of their lives is the most rewarding thing I've ever done. And I believe the most significant contribution I can make to building the kingdom of God. I am utterly convinced that the church and our culture today urgently needs to encourage and develop many millions of intergenerational friendships and mentoring relationships. First, because it is a biblical model far too long ignored in this culture. And second, because it meets spiritual and emotional growth needs of young men in this culture, which simply will not be met any other way. Yeah, amen. The best of church programs cannot replace personal intergenerational relationships for fulfilling growth deficits left by non-existent fathering, inadequate fathering, or good fathering that has been cut short by a father's death. Amen. I believe the best way for communicating this widespread but often unrecognized need, as well as this vision for meeting that need, is through intergenerational team testimonies such as this one, and through intergenerational team teaching, such as Blake and I have now twice done out of the Lord's Ranch, and I expect to, be, to continue doing with both of these guys in various venues. Our culture, including the church, unfortunately, has little respect for the agent. But when an intergenerational team demonstrates the value of young and old standing side by side as they work together to present truths more effectively than either could do alone, even some young skeptics who had never considered that there could be any value in an intergenerational friendship or mentoring relationship will begin to change their minds. So now I will let Blake and Micah enrich this team testimony from their own perspectives, reflecting on anything I've said and adding fresh viewpoints of their own. 
and I will make a few concluding remarks at the end. Thank you so much. Yeah. I am so appreciative of what you just said. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, and uh, to add to what Don said about how he like seeks to uh, model, follow the Apostle Paul's model um, of discipleship and of mentoring about uh, not only mentoring and meeting with us like once a week or once every other week or something like that, but literally giving himself uh, to us. Uh, I have just seen that so clearly, and actually it was within probably the first few months uh, that I was getting to know Don, and then he was beginning to mentor me, uh, that it just stuck out to me so clearly. I, and I told him, I said, Don, you remind me more of the Apostle Paul in your mentoring and discipling than I've ever seen in anybody else. Uh, and it is, I think it's largely because he's not, he is investing himself in us, in his very, yeah, his very life in us. And so that, uh, he's not just saying that, that is very much true. Yeah, and from, so from my perspective, uh, being the one being mentored, um, Don talked about, he said that there is a lot of um, like emotional and spiritual needs that are met uh, when a younger person is spending time uh, with an older person, uh, talking about in the Lord. Uh, I have just seen that to be so true in my own walk. Uh, I was going to a house church with Jean uh, and her husband Will uh, for a few years um, and besides me I don't think there was anybody below 40 uh, and that group, <laughs> most of the time that I was going there uh, and for me that was early on in my walk with the Lord and it was just so significant for me to be around people that were mature in their walk and also like to get that attention uh, you know as like a newborn in Christ to be able to get that attention and to be able to walk with these people um, I, I, I'm so blown away. I'm so glad. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, my father died, and I had a neighbor who was kind of like a second dad until he moved away. Yeah. But, and, and I, and I have a friend whose brother um, situation became gay, and I think so much of what is happening today in our country yeah. is because children don't have fathers yeah. you know sometimes mothers either they don't have a father right. or mother yeah. feature you know figure in their life and yeah. and kids need that so badly well adults do too but especially younger people yeah. I mean that's their formative years and if they don't have that we see what's happening in our country because yeah. of it in terms of abortion in terms of gay you know LBGT kind of stuff yeah. I just I'm so appreciative and what's your name my name is Carol Carol, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. even um, my dad passed away when I was in 11th grade. And so after that, I had to like start thinking about who I was going to trust enough to lead and guide me into manhood. And I've just been so blessed by Don because I've been able to come to him as a son would a father and ask him advice and he is like bestowed wisdom and encouraged me in a lot of different areas. Um, and I just think like one of the biggest things I'm noticing is that is one of the biggest needs for younger teens. And I do a lot of ministry with foster kids and uh, kids in juvenile detention center. And they are all coming from backgrounds with no father or a father that is a negative influence on their life. And 
to have someone, even if it's not your biological father, that you are going to, trusting and yeah, asking for help and wisdom in certain areas of life is just so essential. In the last uh, book of the Old Testament in the Christian Bible, Malachi, and where uh, talks about I will, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I will. Turn the the son come of, the first of all, yeah. the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings, which is his talitas, his prayer shawl. I believe that's yeah. a reference to Jesus. And and then yeah, and I will turn, or he will turn, um, the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to the fathers. As I come and curse the land and that is exactly what is happening in our country because we do not have that and I just it's so I'm so pleased to hear somebody verbalize what is in my heart as the greatest need of our society is that we mentors um, and, and even myself I've been in contact with some CD kids and and I'm thinking about the possibility I, I will of you know trying to adopt one who's 18. But I mean, um, thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. Micah got married last December 15th. Congratulations. And, uh, Congratulations. Blake and I had the privilege of flying down to Missouri for the wedding along with one of the other guys that I also mentored, who's also a friend of theirs. Uh, so that made it a very unique trip uh, and a unique blessing that is unduplicatable. <laughs> But uh, one of the things that made it so special was that uh, Micah came to me before he started dating Leah. And he told me that he was thinking about dating her, but he wanted to get my input and counsel before he even started because he had watched other people make mistakes in the romantic relationships and he wanted to avoid doing that. He wanted to do it right. And I have, so I had the privilege of watching them from day one walk out their romantic relationship culminating in marriage. And I've never seen a young couple do it any better than they did. So I'm really, really proud of both of these guys, who, by the way, are also already mentoring other people themselves. Wow. 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 So fantastic. Yeah, there's so many pitfalls that you can avoid just by having a relationship like this. Right. And yes. uh, so yeah, just to show the negative side of uh, Micah went to Don before he got into a dating relationship. I came to Don about three months after I got into a dating relationship. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there was just so much, seriously so much that could have been avoided. And once I started to just share with him and he was able to give perspective, it was so much easier to correct things and I could just see so many like yeah pitfalls that I could have easily fallen into had I not had somebody from the outside with experience and wisdom speaking in. Uh, thing, one yeah. last thing of girls and women you know oh needing gosh, that yeah. kind of father figure. I mean yeah. I look at my life and the things that have happened and some of which I had no control over but the lack of a father you know, to go to and get advice from and input from in terms of relationships with guys yeah. probably would have saved me a whole heck of a lot of heartache. Yeah, for sure. I had similar experience. My uh, father passed away in my second year of college, and my uncle, my mother's brother, retired from the Pentagon to help out. 
and he and Marilyn used to have a prayer group met in his house every week, and they had things like people's uh, legs lengthen and things like that mm -hmm. happen. But anyway, that influence helped. I lived with him in Denton. Uh, it's where my wife and I met. Was in the Sunday school class at that church, and it was my own finishing out what my dad couldn't do. Um, I, I wanted to share something. In the, are you ready to do that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Don talked to me prior about Titus and Paul's relationship with Titus. And I was studying that um, this past week a little bit. And I just wanted to like highlight something that's probably pretty applicable to this. Um, Paul basically assigned Titus with managing the entire island of Crete and establishing elders and making sure that the churches were doing things correctly. And I was just thinking about how big of a task that is. And so applying that to my relationship with Don, I have in multiple, like multiple times, I felt like Don has encouraged me and pushed me to do a lot more and to do better at the things that I'm doing. And I think having a mentor to push you and to not let you get complacent and get static is also super essential. Um, and then following that, um, Paul directs Titus into teaching sound doctrine. And coming from like Moody, when you hear doctrine, it's all about like theology and what are our right beliefs. But throughout Titus 2, specifically, it is all about how a Christian lives out their life and how they walk, the attitude that they have, and the behavior they, um, they have interacting with people. And in so, like, I can't even really give the amount of examples where Don has helped me in the different venues of my life um, with wisdom in choosing um, what ministries to go into um, when there's conflict in my church, helping to resolve that. Um, obviously, as he mentioned with Leah, um, as I've been wrestling through that, but just there are so many different applications of how to live out and, and walk out your beliefs that are benefited and they can really grow when you're in a mentorship relationship and you have someone like Paul who is able to just instruct Timothy, uh, Titus and Timothy um, in this kind of way. And ultimately, um, I think today with, with people, like you said, who are without fathers, um, sometimes you can't go to the closest person that's a, a fatherly figure because they might not give you the right advice. Yeah. And um, to have to have someone like Don, who I mean, I just met Don visiting his church. I never even attended Mosaic Fellowship, and then he asked me to go on a hike with him. And then very quickly after, we became um, in a mentorship relationship. And so I guess just an encouragement for you guys is be willing to like step out and and find people that are younger that are that are there 
they might not even necessarily be seeking mentorship. Yeah. And I personally wasn't. Like, I mean, I was, but it was in the back of my mind. And then Don approached me, and Don took all the initiative to start that mentorship without saying, I want to mentor you at all. Yeah. He just invested in me enough where I thought about it, and then I approached him and said, will you mentor me? And I've just appreciated his his coming about our mentorship relationship yeah. immensely. Can I add to that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so also, uh, that is the same experience. Uh, I came across, I crossed paths with Don uh, one day at Street Evangelism. He was mentoring another brother who was going down to Street Evangelism, which was a, a weekly thing. Uh, and so he came with the person he was mentoring, and that was how I met him, and then we had a barbecue afterwards, and so I got to talk to him more. Uh, and he totally took the initiative uh, in like striking up conversation and talking and like beginning to build that relationship and then inviting me just like with Micah out to a day hike. Um, and I had been uh, probably less than a year prior to that, I had prayed very, very earnestly that the Lord would bring somebody into my life that could mentor me uh, or disciple me or, or something like that. I just really was praying for that. Uh, and I think at that point I had stopped praying for it, but it was definitely still a desire and something that was stuck in my mind. And so, uh, But it was largely Don's initiative uh, in inviting me out to a day hike and then just like Mike said, just investing in me. He didn't even say anything about mentorship yeah. at all uh, to me. And just as we were driving home from the first day hike, I was like, Lord, I know that this is the person that is like the answer to the prayer, you know? Uh, and it was just so confirmed. But uh, yeah, so I guess I would just second that encouragement yeah. of like there are young people that need it. But. What is the response of your families with him? <laughs> oh, my family is super supportive of Don and just, um, my mom is just grateful because ultimately like my relationship with my mom is just amazing, but there is only also much a mother can say when, yeah. there, when there's no father in the house. Right. And yes. so she, she just loves that I have this relationship with Don and can go to someone um, whether it's sin struggles or just um, needing wisdom and how to do things here in Spokane, because my mom's in North Carolina, and so so there's like such benefit to having uh, Don as a mentor. And just in addition, I am now mentoring uh, another uh, student at GNU, and I have modeled my mentorship relationship with him after Don's, and it has just been such a great such a great experience and my my ministry in and of itself has been benefited by by Don as well yeah sure and being able to just one more thing being able to teach kind of talking about our idea of um, intergenerational team teaching I think is just another awesome way to get the get the word out there and raise awareness of such a need yeah uh, <clears throat> Monday at, at rain, Angel Wilson was there, and and he he made a statement that really really hit me about, and I, and I put it on my Facebook, but I can't call it up right now. I, I, yeah. I'd rather read it than, than try to quote it. But he was saying that unless basically unless you develop a relationship with with a person or a group and are willing to suffer with or, or for them, there will not really be a serious binding. Mm -hmm. 
and Angel can do that. And in fact, I've, I've encouraged uh, uh, Blake to, to meet Angel. Angel was saved out of the gay lifestyle when he was 19, following a, 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 a gay pride parade in Los Angeles in 1983. And he has been serving ever since, ever since. And, and he's, he's caught hell for that in a lot of places, and uh, literally, uh, in Christian churches. But uh, he is scheduled, and, and he acknowledged to the group that the World Prayer Team wants to be his prayer covering, as he has five major events coming up this year, that I don't think any of us in here would want to go. They are really pits of hell kinds of events. But he is confident enough in the Lord that, and he knows the lifestyle and that he can go into those situations and minister. And he gave several examples and I've, I've, I've seen him in action and known him for several years. Uh, but, but he really struck me with that comment unless we are willing to, to know and to suffer with or for person or group, uh, it's going to be hard to develop that relationship. Yeah. And and I must say, um, that, that that's important, that, Bre that um, Blake and I have had a relationship for four years, and he's mentoring me, as he did last Friday when we were together, and I appreciate that. That would not have happened if we hadn't had had a, had a relationship that we could trust one another. And uh, so it goes both ways, uh, between the old and the young and the young and the old. I love that. That's uh, what I want to pick up on for my ending. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> there's another biblical friendship that is <coughs> very significant to me uh, in modeling what I do with these guys. <clears throat> And that is the friendship of Jonathan and David. Oh. Now, many people, I didn't know this until I was in my 30s, many people do not realize that Jonathan and David were not peers age-wise. Right. It's generally assumed that they were, that they were just about the same age. That is not true. Uh, when you study the internal biblical chronology, you find out that Jonathan had to have been at least 20 years, and many commentators think at least 27 years older than David. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, you can actually Google this online, Jonathan and David, their age, and you'll find out a lot of information. Wow. Um, but when I realized that, I, which was many years ago, in my 30s, I began to see that this celebrated friendship and the celebrated friendship uh, to a lesser extent of Naomi and Ruth and the celebrated friendships of Paul with Titus and Timothy, they're all intergenerational. Mm -hmm. So the most significant friendships in the Bible are intergenerational mm -hmm. in nature. Very interesting. And this is what happened with Jonathan and David from 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, 
the king, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Can you tell me the, the uh, scripture again, 18? Uh, First Samuel 18, 1 through 4. Now, covenant, uh, this, articles, yeah. this young shepherd boy, David, must have been absolutely blown away. What is going on here? What, why is the prince doing this? <laughs> but Jonathan saw something in David and felt something that just instantly galvanized his soul and linked it with David's. So he took, the older man took the initiative and David responded and it turned into that celebrated friendship which when Jonathan then died in battle, David lamented it as uh, that his love was even greater to me than that of a woman, which again is misunderstood in our culture today. Right, right. But um, it's I liken it to the kind of awesome friendship that often takes place between men in combat who uh, they, they will, if one of them is killed or badly wounded, the other one will weep uh, because they are so connected. Yes, yeah. yes. So this is another model for me biblically and I have really experienced this. Uh, I, Oftentimes, when I meet a young man, there's a connection incredibly soon in my heart. Uh, when, when I met Blake, I had not been around him more than 15 minutes before I knew that this was what I call a keeper, a person that I would want to have in my life for the rest of my life. Wow. I knew that within 15 minutes. Wow. And with Micah, when we first started talking, uh, the first time, and the only time he came to my church, because he had to visit five different churches, uh, I, I just knew within this very short time of meeting him, that's why I invited him to go on the day hike. I really like this guy. There's a connection here that I want to develop. Uh, and and that's, that's even happening with Seth, whom I just met two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> Um, but I would guess that, I, that there's less than 1% of all the people I ever meet, including even young people, that I feel this almost instant connection with. Mm -hmm. And then I take the initiative. But I never ask a young man if I can mentor him. If I cannot build a relationship and invest enough in him to where he takes the initiative to ask me, then it will never turn into a mentoring relationship. So yeah, I'd like to say too is uh, I think Ron Allenstein's group, the Fatherhood Institute, 90 percent of the men in jail had no father yeah. figure. Yeah. And then, uh, but it's not just that. The other part of it is our society today. You know, we used to have an extended family. Now we're all with four right. women. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Used to, if you lost your father, he was not very mature in his beliefs. And 
there might have been an uncle or a cousin who right. could fill that gap too. So right. we're missing that. So I think when you go someplace and look around the room, uh, look for someone no one's talking to, just kind of by themselves, you know, and all that. And I think those people feel unwanted and rejected, but you can be the right person in their life, you know, to have an influence on them. Mm -hmm. all right. Neighborhoods aren't like they used to be either. Oh you know? gosh! I mean, like my next door neighbor was so was good friends with my father, you know, and so he was like a natural second father to me. But then moved to California, but now we don't even have neighborhoods like that for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. But there are still people in our neighborhoods that we could change. Well, there's such a need in our students to identify and put on a, a, a note, you know, uh, to her which students they might want to sit next to. And the reason she did this, however, had nothing to do with what the kids were actually asking. What she was trying to identify was who was never asked oh. to, you know, oh, well. that no one wanted to connect to. And so then she purposed to have that child, you know, um, you know, think that, oh, these people want to be next to me or, or you know, those other kids. And, and when you think about that in terms of Columbine and things like that, I mean, most of the kids who have done horrific things yeah. have been kids, and importantly because of their own personality, but still have been kids who did not be able to have they that. They were missing they huge were, Yeah, they had all of these gaps, you know. The healthy and spiritual entities get involved. Yeah. This is true, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they, when they're vulnerable. That's why they yeah. want this culture to be splintered so that yeah. they can tear us right. apart and, and, and ruin what God had intended for yeah. our culture. And, and because really God said, you know, in Matthew 28, 19, 20, where he says, I have given you all authority over heaven and earth. Go then to all my people everywhere and make them disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have you always to the end of the age. So what I see you're doing is you're taking people and you are making disciples, which is exactly what Paul did, and teach them so that they can obey what God's commanded. And so that's where our prayer is as a church group where we fellowship is that we we teach and we send and we want people to go into all the world. And that's what Blake was it was so beneficial because he would go into the world, he would bring people in, and they could get to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and then go out and find somebody else to disciple. And I just, I really thank, thank you for doing what you're doing because 
God's family, and we we focus a lot on God's family because He He's the Father, and He will provide for our needs, and that's what we can do. Um, because I, when I hear part of what you're saying is is too the way um, some of the 12-step programs, the success of that has to do with knowing the 12 steps but getting healthy yourself and then carrying that message to others and of course sponsorship is a huge part sponsorship and service are a huge part of the AA program and of course Al-Anon and all the others all the other 12 step programs and that's basically going and making disciples and helping people to be free from Satan's influence because if you've got a group of people I always tell people you know if you've got God made a sheep, if the sheep are together and you've got a watchdog, there is no, very rarely can anybody get to the sheep if you've got a good watchdog, it just doesn't happen. And if you've got a good shepherd, they watch out. And so I like the shepherd, sheep, watchdog thing. Yeah. <laughs> but but beware of the wolves and sheep. Yeah, a good watchdog, a good yeah. watchdog, a wolf can't get by a good watchdog exactly. or a good shepherd. I, I want to uh, conclude with uh, two different kinds of observations. Uh, originally, I concluded with one to you, what you said, but now I want to make a response to what you said about um, the danger of grooming. That people look and say, hmm, that looks like grooming to me. <coughs> In our culture, the term grooming has come to have only a negative connotation. But that is unfortunate. Um, in the military context, there will be officers who will groom a young officer to take their place. They're preparing him to advance. In business, there will be business people, entrepreneurs, who will groom a younger man or woman to step up and to become able to take their place. Right. That is very positive grooming. So if someone says to me, that looks like grooming to me, uh, I'm going to say, you're absolutely right. I'm grooming these young men to become everything they can be for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And when you think about it, who does a bride marry? Her groom. Yes. That's and right. if you love dogs, you know, you try to keep them groomed. So <laughs> that's part of what's happened in our culture. I used to be an English teacher. It's the twisting of words yes. to become yeah. other words yeah. and only oh, be thought of in a right. negative fashion. And that's that's one of the first things that happens when Satan gets in. You know, okay. that the that's meanings of words change. Yeah, let's, let's finish what uh, Don is uh, sharing with us and then we can... Yeah. Um, Sorry. Look, like Jonathan, I want to give these guys everything I can, materially, relationally, and spiritually, to build them up in every way and to facilitate their ministries wherever Jesus leads them. They must increase and I must decrease. But no matter how much I give to them, I get back even more. Their examples of love, purity, self-discipline, and devotion to God challenge me daily to be everything I can be for my Lord and Savior. And their love for me encourages me as nothing else ever has. I would not be as much of a man of God as I am now 
without them in my life. And then, we've already mentioned this, Blake and I hope to buy a house this summer to facilitate intentional Christian community oh, and wow. to take the next wow. level uh, in developing what God has already started wow. with whoever else the Lord leads wow. into that situation. Our question for you all is how we may pray for you. And we would like to do that. I guess for continued wisdom to know step by step what the next steps are supposed to be with the house and with everything else. If you have you got another page of wisdom there that you're going to share with us? Uh, no. no. <laughs> we don't okay. want to miss anything. I, right I don't now. want to quit to cut you off too soon. Uh, we, we, to, we, we squeezed out as much wisdom as we could, I think. <laughs> At least in this time amount. <laughs> yeah, right. And it gives us a chance to, to, to pray for you guys. You know, Blake knows Merv. I don't know if the other two of you know Merv Witherup, uh, our founder, one of our founders in Hawaii. But Merv has been talking for some time about triplets, triplet prayer. You have a triplet. And you are modeling triplet, and I will—I don't happen to have it with me now, but I will give you some additional information. The triplet, oh, the most recent development was in London in the 1980s, when uh, Brian Mills, a pastor there, was preparing for Billy Graham's evangelism uh, crusade, and 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 he began to developed triplets of, of people praying and it had great success and they were praying sometime before Billy Graham came and and it just magnified uh, what's going on there. A threefold cord is not easy. That's, that's, that's right. right. That's right. right. Amen. Um, and, and so that we have been very conscious of and are developing triplets. In fact, I meet with one triplet tomorrow. Uh, 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 that we meet monthly for prayer. Uh, it's it's time for us to world. pray for these guys. Okay. We do a triplet prayer on the world map. Three yeah. sections of yeah, the right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Mitch. It, pull up a little bit so we can get behind you. Uh, and, 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 uh, and do you guys mind if we put our hands on you? Nope. Oh, you might even be anointed or something. I don't know what Jean might have, have in mind. Thank you. 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 Gracious God, our Father, oh, we thank you for these men. Yes, yes. That they, that you have called them to develop relationships, to to model a godly model of working and with one another in you, through you, by you, and for you, Lord. Yes. We just 
we thank you for them sharing with us today and to let them know that they are a part of the world prayer team. Uh, Blake goes on the map a second time, as well as each of these guys. And, 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 and let them know that we, uh, whenever you all have things that we need to pray for, if you can't come yourself, call us. Let us know how we may pray, and we will be happy to do so. And Lord, we look forward to following their adventures in the Lord, uh, whether it's buying a house, uh, working with not only one another, but as they expand their relationships with other young men and women, and perhaps even some old men and women. Uh, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for their willingness, for their enthusiasm, for their uh, love of you, Lord. In Jesus' name. You know, I'm seeing a picture of a uh, of a science lab and an experiment. Uh, we got a got a, a petri dish that uh, that that is uh, meant to uh, foster uh, uh, growth, uh, uh, different types of uh, growth. I mean, it can be whatever fungus or, but anyway. What I see here is uh, a, uh, an introduction uh, into a growth culture, introduction of wisdom, truth taken from the Bible that's being mixed with human personalities. And, uh, and out of this mixture, this experiment, there is coming a uh, a growth, a a, uh, uh, a beneficial. I, I, you know, it's a, just a successful experiment, but it's really small. And and my prayer is that this this thing would yes. that would be available. That that Don and these these young men have. Uh, have experimented with. Really, that's what it is. It's an experiment that it does this work. This is, comes out of the Bible. And uh, so my prayer is, okay, this experiment has worked. Now, my prayer is that this growth would be disseminated. That this example that has grown up here Yes. And it's it's and I'm sure it's not unique. I'm sure there are other other places, but this is where it is in Spokane. Yes. Yes. And uh, so my prayer is, Lord, that that this culture yes. that has been developed here by these four men and yes. others uh, as well, that this would be disseminated yes. throughout the body of Christ in Spokane, Lord, yes. that it would take hold, that there would become a, yeah. a viable reproduction of yes. this model, and that you would be raising up others that would be infected Amen. with this. We'll call it a good virus, that they'd yes. be infected yes. with a good right. virus, yes. and this thing just spread. Go viral. Yeah. Go viral. Amen. Go viral, Lord. And we just thank you that, uh, that, that we can pray for these 
that have been a part of this this experiment that they will stay true, they will yes. stay firm, they will not be moved, that there will be wisdom that uh, that is in, inputted, there will be resources for what their vision uh, their visions are, Lord, we just thank you that we can speak a blessing over them, that this thing is of you, this is of the Holy Spirit, and that we can say, let it be released among your people and among the world, among society where it is so needed, Lord, we just speak a release, a release, a release, and a reproduction, a reproduction in Jesus' name. I pray that each one of us thinks about areas, and I think about my own church, that, that you know talks about sharing the gospel and bringing people in, but it's not just a matter of you know preaching the gospel and bringing people in. It's a matter of relationships between yes. people yes. that are meaningful yes. and viable. And unless that element is there, it falls short. Yes. And this is the kind of thing that needs to be, you know, shared in different churches so that they get the message that it's it's not just about sharing the gospel. That's not going to be enough. People are not going to stay if all there is is the sharing of the gospel. But there's, there's not a real viable friendships, deep relationships that come out of that, that are that are formed within that. That, that in each church there's, a, you know, there's people who want to do the same kind of thing and start doing it, that you lay it upon our hearts. You did this morning with me, and I thank you, God, for them being here this morning. And I pray that this, they would be able to speak in other churches, and that that message starts getting out to other churches, and other churches start seeing this is what we need to do, especially in the world we live in today, where there are absentee fathers, dead fathers, whatever and mothers people need more of this mm -hmm. thank you god this is the fulfillment of, of, of uh, returning the fathers to the exactly yeah. Yeah. and the children to Holy Spirit. and it's no accident done as a member at mosaic yeah. Yeah. Uh, pastor repso i think had such intentions when he set up mosaic John, uh, Don, I don't know how long you've been associated with John. Uh, John is part of the welfare team in Spindley. Uh, and, 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 but when he set it up, I think he desired such things to see proof in you guys. And we appreciate that. Well, thank you. See you, Daniel. That name, oh. This, we exist to praise the Lord. This is the yeast of the Holy Spirit, not the yeast of the Pharisees. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God, we thank you that you said you would pour out your Spirit and uh, on your sons and daughters, and they would prophesy that your old men would dream dreams and your young men would see visions. And Lord, we thank you that you said where there is no vision, your people perish. Amen. Yes. Because yes. uh -huh. I think yeah. there's no knowledge. That the knowledge is it? Is right. it? Yeah. Sometimes it's translated knowledge. Sometimes vision. Yeah. You're like right. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your visions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back. Tell me your visions. Uh -huh. Thank you, Lord. Help us listen. Seth, Micah. Come.
and I want to hear your dreams. Oh, he's already shared some already. Blessings. Yes, amen. Blessings. Blessings. I want to hear more. Yeah.